0: Hey, everybody, episode 21 of the Giant Electric Penguin podcast. This is your host, Matt, and I did want to acknowledge up top that this episode is dropping on Juneteenth. And it's not a Juneteenth themed show. This is a comedy show, and, you know, I don't have any jokes to make about Juneteenth. It's not, you know. Anything I want to joke about, it's a great day, uh, and it's a great uh, day for celebration. But I did want to acknowledge it up at the top, because I think it would be weird if I didn't acknowledge it. If just my usual silly bullshit started, and uh, I didn't acknowledge that it's Juneteenth. I guess if I was going to make a joke, it would, it would be about the, our, our uh, joke of an American education system. Because I didn't learn about Juneteenth in school, and I didn't really find out what Juneteenth was until I was an adult, and I don't know how long, you know, I'm allowed to blame the school system for for their um, for not teaching me things. I think by the time you're the age I am now, it's kind of it kind of is on you. Uh, so I will take some of that blame, but I will say I I never heard about Juneteenth in. School, And I don't know if that's because, well, it probably is because uh, the curriculum is pretty racist, but also, you know, in history class all through high school and even college, uh, you never, we never got to the parts of history uh, that I, that I wanted to really hear about. Uh, You know, you'd get that syllabus and you'd be like, wow, we're really, we're going (laughs) to, we're going to learn a lot of history. And then you just kind of end up learning the same things over and over. That's how it was for me in school. I don't know if it was like that for everybody, but, uh, that's what it was for me. But, but anyway, I will, I will take full blame for not knowing about Juneteenth until I was an adult. Uh, but I'd also like to put a little bit of blame on my Lily white private Christian school as well for shame. Anyway, happy Juneteenth. Uh, and let's get to this, uh, silly bullshit I mentioned just a little while ago. On an episode of this very podcast, I referred to Chuck Berry as America's rockinest pervert. I could have just as easily referred to him as America's perviest rocker, but is he? That's what we're going to look at in episode 21 of the podcast, Rock and Roll Perverts. And that's just a fun, catchy name. We're going to look at perverts from all genres of music. So, you know, if... If you heard rock and roll perverts, non-rock and roll artists, and you went, phew! Matt's gonna lead me out of this one. Thank goodness. Uh, sorry. <laughs> you're uh you're on the firing range. This this shouldn't be viewed as a celebration of debauchery. Kind of I I intended it to be more of a reminder of how awful people can be when they get little extra money in their pocket. Originally, I was going to rank the perverts, you know, put them in an order, you know, least perverted to most perverted. But that's a little more twisted than I'm willing to go. Uh, It's also like, it's kind of like a view into my head as well, (laughs) which (laughs) I think I give you enough views into my head as it is. Uh, So instead, I'm going to, I chose to look at uh, this list sort of like in the same way the Judeo-Christian God views sin, Uh, All sins are bad, and they're also all equal. Every single sin is equal. Even though, honestly, I kind of have a problem with kind of viewing something like telling a lie and murder as equal. That seems kind of unbalanced a little to me, but uh, who am I to question? The Almighty Creator. So let's, let's do it. This is a series I like to call Rock and Roll Perverts. Look, we've talked a lot about Chuck Berry and his love of Turlet footage. We're going to leave him alone. You know, I'll mention he also spent five years in prison for transporting a minor over state lines. But Chuck Berry, we're giving you a break. You can sit this one out, take a seat on the bench. We're going to hit some other perverts this time. I think... A pretty good contender for top pervert, top rock and roll pervert is Jerry Lee Lewis. You know him as the singer of uh, "Great Balls of Fire." You know Jerry Lee Lewis was a very interesting man. Uh, I'm over here at his Wikipedia page. He was married seven times, including uh, bigamous marriages and a marriage with his underage cousin. Like that's that's the one that I'm always you know I'm aware of that that was the one I think featured in the movie about his life him marrying his underage cousin. I think it's important to let you know that most of the marriages he entered into were with underage women. (laughs) So it's not like, so, so what you have on, what you have on top of that one is not only is it another underage marriage, not another underage woman that he married. Uh, it's, uh, she was also his, his cousin, but I think more interesting than that, honestly, is the time Jerry Lee Lewis was arrested outside the gates of Elvis Presley's home, Graceland. And this is right from the Wikipedia page. as a section, uh, the Graceland arrest. On November 23rd, 1976, Lewis was arrested outside of Graceland for allegedly intending to shoot Elvis Presley. What? In Rick Bragg's 2014 authorized biography, Jerry Lee Lewis, His Own Story, Lewis said that the reclusive Presley had been trying to reach him and finally did on November 23rd, imploring him to come out to the... Oh, let me me try to do Elvis. I'm no Austin Butler. Imploring uh, him to come out to the house. (laughs) It's like Elvis entered my body... And then and then quickly, quickly ran. Uh, Lewis replied that he would if he had the time, but that he was busy trying to get his father, Elmo, out of jail in Tanika for driving under the influence. So the whole Lewis family, just a, just a family of winners. Later that night, Jerry Lee Lewis was at a Memphis nightclub called The Vapors, drinking champagne when he was given a gun. Must be fun to just like be a famous rock and roller. People giving you stuff, like ladies, like, you know, falling at your feet, like, oh, I love you, I'll do anything for you. Like, like bros buying you Smirnoff ices. And And then sometimes, sometimes someone just walks up to you and hands you a gun. You're famous, I love your music. Here, have a gun. Have a gun, Mr. Lewis. Lewis suddenly remembered, upon being handed this gun, that Elvis wanted to see him. And climbing aboard his new Lincoln Continental, climbing aboard... What's a Lincoln Continental? A spaceship? Is it a, is it a choo-choo train? <laughs> he got in his car, all right? Uh, he got in the Lincoln Continental. He saddled up on that Lincoln Continental with the loaded pistol and a bottle of champagne under his arm. He tore off for Graceland. I'm going to Graceland, Memphis, Tennessee. Just before 3 o'clock in the morning, which was probably the time Elvis intended their meeting to go down, Lewis accidentally smashed into the famous Graceland gates. Presley's astonished cousin, Harold Lloyd, was manning the gate, watched Lewis attempt to hurl the champagne bottle out of the car window, not realizing the window was rolled up. <laughs> Smashing both. That's that's funny. I mean, it's yeah, it's some tragic shit, drunk driving and such, but uh, I don't know. Is that in the movie? It's been years since I've seen Great Balls of Fire... Does Dennis Quaid <laughs> try to throw a champagne bottle through a closed car window? If if that they if that wasn't in there, add that scene. Can you do it with CGI? Bragg reports that Lewis denies ever attending, intending to do Presley harm. That the two were friends, but Elvis, watching on closed circuit television, told guards to call the police. The Memphis police found the gun in the car and put Lewis, protesting and hollering threatening them away in handcuffs lewis said the cops asked elvis what do you want us to do and elvis oh goody here we go here's a, here's some more elvis for you and elvis told him a lock him up that hurt my feelings to be scared of me knowing me the way he did was ridiculous yeah a drunk guy waving a gun around after he smashed his car into your the gates of your house yeah it's weird that he'd be scared <laughs> it's weird that he didn't want you uh you know stomping around his house waving a gun around you weirdo lewis was charged with carrying a pistol and public drunkenness he was released on a 250 bond his defiant mugshot was wired around the world around the world <laughs> i wanted to stop Jerry Lee Lewis (laughs) from going on a worldwide crime spree. I'm gonna run my Lincoln Continental spaceship into every famous gate in this fucking world. Look out, Uh, (laughs) Buckingham Palace. (laughs) I'm gonna ram my Lincoln Continental right into the gate, right into one of your, one of those beef eaters. Is that what they're called? uh, Are those, is that the name of the people who, uh, who guard Buckingham Palace? The Beef Eater Sandwich, that was one of my favorite foods they would serve in the cafeteria when I was in college. If, if there was a steak night, like if we had steak night on Thursday, you knew you knew Friday lunch was going to be the Beef Eater Sandwich. Oh, by the way, Presley uh, died nine months after this event. A lot of people blame Jerry Lee Lewis. <laughs> okay, so they call the... Guards at the Tower of London. They call them beefeaters. But do you know what that's short for? It's short for Yeoman Warders of His Majesty's Royal Palace and Fortress, the Tower of London, and members of the Sovereign's Bodyguard of the Yeoman Guard Extraordinary. Somehow, uh, beefeater is short for, for that. <laughs> Steven Tyler, the lead singer for Aerosmith, he's a big fan of Scarves. It's been pretty well known, I guess, by people who follow the career of Aerosmith and Steven Tyler that uh, he did something pretty perverted back in the day when he was a 27-year-old rocker coming up through the ranks. Apparently, he had a 14-year-old girlfriend and he somehow got that teenager's parents to sign, uh, basically make him her uh, her guardian. They signed paperwork giving a uh, drug addicted, alcoholic rock star guardianship over their teenage daughter. There's a whole article over on the very funny, funnily named. Sofa King Anyway, there's a very long uh, interview with her, uh, you know, kind of giving the background of what was going on in her life, what led to her being basically put into the care of Steven Tyler. It, it's, it's funny because not too long ago, in fact, this year, um, I guess she brought charges against him. Uh, sexually, sexual assault charges, uh, you know, saying, you know, when, when, uh, I was 16 years old, Steven Tyler, uh, sexually assaulted me and they, and he did, uh, the two of them did have sex. That's right. He was the guardian for this, uh, young lady. And, uh, but they still had lots of sex. And in fact, she got pregnant and, uh, and, uh, he had her, um, have an abortion. And that's, that could be a very traumatizing thing. And apparently it was. Steven Tyler responded to this lawsuit saying that, uh, nah, he, uh, I, I, I got immunity from this, uh, immunity, immunity from this sexual assault. Uh, I was her, uh, legal guardian. Her parents signed her over to me. Her parents signed, uh, some paperwork saying I could sexually assault her whenever I wanted. Uh, what a fucking, uh, piece of garbage. I said it there. I said it. I'm not gonna hold back on this scarf loving <laughs> scumbag. Look, what a pervert, right? I mean, it's just it's just perverted and it's gross. And Steven Tyler sucks anyway. Uh, the the music of Aerosmith sucks, and you know, it bums me out that my daughter's favorite ride at Disney World is the Aerosmith. Rock and Roller Coaster. You know that one? It's the fastest roller coaster over there at Hollywood Studios and uh, you get in and it's like you're in a fast moving limo. You got you got to get to the Aerosmith concert. So you you get in the limo and it shoots y'all around in the dark. You're flying around a blacklight version of LA. You got to get you got to get to the Aerosmith show on time. You don't want to be late to see Aerosmith. Oh no, especially if you're a teenager and you and you want to you want uh, uh, Stephen Tyler to be your your uh, guardian, the person uh, meant to look out for you and make sure no harm comes to you, uh, but uh, you know, and the whole time you're you're, uh, you're you're roller coastering around in the dark, Aerosmith music is blasting. There's like five different Aerosmith songs that you get to hear, and of course my daughter loves it. She loves roller coasters, and it's a really fun ride. It's fast. But it's 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 just drenched in Aerosmith stuff, memorabilia, music, and uh, I don't know. It's a little tainted. When I found out about this story, you know the rock and roller coaster, which I haven't ridden in years. I've, I wrote it once, and that was enough. I'm not a roller coaster guy. Uh, and it doesn't help that, you know, I'm also not an Aerosmith guy either. I, I like everyone in their forties right now. I was a big fan of that trio of videos that had, uh, Alicia Silverstone, uh, America's Sweetheart, Alicia Silverstone. Those are great videos, but it really had nothing to do with the songs. It had everything to do with the fact that Alicia Silverstone was very, very attractive and she was, and she was such a rebel. She was like, she's giving the finger at the end of that one. She's like, yeah, look at me. I don't care. Look at me. I'm giving the finger, and I'm stealing cars. Didn't she steal a guy's car at some point? And I'm listening to Aerosmith. I'm turning Aerosmith up till 11, baby. And we're just traveling around. And really, the only problem with those videos, like the only problem with the rock and roller coaster, is uh, the fact that there's Aerosmith songs playing. <laughs> so I started to think, you know, Disney needs, to, Disney needs to get away from this this thing. You know, Disney keeps getting accused of being overly woke. And uh, I think if they wanted to go, hey, if we were woke, would we still have Aerosmith playing uh, all over the place at this rock and roller coaster? where We're just as shitty as everyone else, see? No, I'm kidding. But I think Disney needs to uh, get out of the Aerosmith business and give the rock and roller coaster to somebody else. And I thought they should have done this years ago. They should be trading off, letting other bands have a chance. And I started thinking about what band I think they should uh, hand the rock and roller coaster over to, and a hundred percent, my vote is uh, goes to Radiohead because one, and, and I, when I first proposed this when I was putting together this uh, week's episode, I was kind of doing it as a joke, not because uh, Radiohead's a joke that they're legitimately one of my favorite bands, but I, I was thinking, wouldn't that be so funny if a roller coaster at Disney World? I had just Radiohead songs because that'd just be so weird. That'd be so unRadiohead to uh, sign with Disney, I think. But then I started thinking about it. I started listing songs that I thought would be really cool to play during uh, the the ride because, like, there's Rock and Roller Coaster it plays Aerosmith, Aerosmith shitty songs, and then there's the um, the New Guardians of the Galaxy ride, which plays some pretty cool songs uh, while you're on it, and it really does enhance it. Uh, it's a lot of fun. So I was thinking of different Radiohead songs that could be a part of it. Like, clearly, the National Anthem. Can you imagine, like, whipping around in the dark while the National Anthem plays? Or Uh I would love to hear. My number one choice, probably, to hear would be the song Knives Out while I'm on the roller coaster. Like, I'd get on it again if I could have a chance to hear any of these uh, Radiohead songs, but I, I would consider myself super lucky if I got to hear "Knives Out." My, or my second choice would be would be "No Alarms," which is my favorite Radiohead song. So that'd be cool to hear "No Alarms" while I'm whipping around in the dark. I thought maybe for some some people could get kind of like a mellow experience, play "Fake Plastic Trees," and then "Paranoid Android," like maybe like after hours, like you could get a special ticket to get to get on. Uh, Radiohead's "Rock and Roller Coaster" and and they play the f- the the full song "Paranoid Android," which is like eight minutes long, and you're just on this eight minute roller coaster. <laughs> uh, and I think my daughter would be really into that version of it. I was watching this YouTube uh, video yesterday. Hang on, I want to look this up. I'm sure you've all heard of this, but I'm so out of the loop that I, I I've never heard of anything I watched this video on YouTube last night by this guy named Jacob Geller it uh, the name of the video is games that aren't games and he looked at these different I mean the the, the best way to you know ex- describe them are they're video games but they're not really games he talks about this one thing called the he talks about this one thing called the LSD dream emulator. Which was this video game for, but but not really a video game, but this weird thing for PlayStation. There was another thing called Slave of God, which was basically just a kind of weird, trippy sort of like nightclub experience. You don't really you can move around in it, but you don't, you don't really do anything. Like you're not like Mario bouncing around. <laughs> there's no there's no end game, and like in the LSD Dream Emulator, you just walk around in these different locations that, that they, whoever made it programmed and you like walk into a wall and then it takes you to a whole new place. And, uh, and then there was another game called a mountain where you draw, you draw like a little picture at the beginning and then, and then like a this very realistic mountain is constructed and you can just watch this mountain. That's all you do. You don't really interact with it. You can, you can like, you can like push the mountain and like birds will fly out of the trees, but you can rotate the mountain. You can you can get real close on the mountain, or you can go. And then sometimes like objects fly through space and slam into that, and it's just interesting. But it's not a game. That so that that was kind of the the idea. But then he mentioned, oh, and there was another thing that it looked like a, it was a museum. It, it had been made to look like a museum, but it was it was like a museum full of like. Very uncomfortable benches. <laughs> it's really, it's worth looking up. The video, again, is by this guy, Jacob Geller. This is a whole other distinct thing Hang on, a little- it's playing right now. Uh, the video is worth looking up. It's by a guy named Jacob Geller, and it's called Games That Aren't Games. And I thought it really, I found it really fascinating. It was really cool. He put it out earlier uh, this month worth your time but one of the things on there is the kid a the kid amnesia the virtual um kind of museum exhibit that radio had uh created and it is uh it looks so cool and i'm sure a lot of you out there already know about it i think i mean it's not new it didn't and uh, this was my first time ever sort of experiencing it and it's kind of like Maybe one of the coolest things I've ever seen, not not just as a Radiohead fan, but as like a fan of like art and and cool things. <laughs> Does that make sense? Uh, but it's I really want to check it out. It looks uh it looks absolutely fantastic, and I think the only thing that that would make it better is if uh, you could you could ride a fast moving roller coaster through it. So I think you should. I think you do a full overhaul. Of rock and roller coaster, and you basically make it this uh, kid amnesia museum exhibit, this virtual museum exhibit. You make it that, and, and but then then you send you know you send the rock and roller coaster through it. Uh, but on that note, I want to say uh, Stephen Tyler, uh, a, a a lift of the middle finger in your direction, sir. You're a pervert. So the show has been super unfair so far. We've been doing nothing but highlighting male degenerates. So let's look at a few female mus- musicians who have been uh, degenerate perverts as well. Uh, don't tell me you forgot the time Ariana Grande licked a donut. And also, while whilst licking said donut, said, I hate America. Let's not forget that. This is from Insider com uh, this was a, a, a video I think probably a surveillance video from the donut shop in question uh, you gotta you gotta guard your donuts because you never know who's gonna come in and try to steal your donuts or who whoever thought we'd live in a world where people would come in and just lick a bunch of donuts uh, in the video Grande and her then boyfriend/ slash backup dancer Ricky Alvarez appeared to lick several donuts. Laughing all the while. Oh, it's so funny. So funny. At one point, Grande seems disgusted by a tray of donuts. What the fuck is this? She says. I hate Americans. I hate America. That is disgusting. She said. Uh, I, I mean, I have no words. I have no words. According to a previous Business Insider post, the licked donuts were later sold to customers. Who were unaware of the contamination? Oh, Ariana, terrible, terrible! Following the incident, Grande faced intense backlash. Oh, I remember, Americans were 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 horrified. We we couldn't talk about anything but Ariana Grande licking donuts and hating America. We don't. I don't know if you've noticed, but. Uh, those of us here in America, we do not tolerate those who who hate America. Honestly, I am more offended by her hatred of donuts. She apologized, but uh, and and clearly, I am being uh, funny. It, it never bothered me uh, what what she did. I, the the her, I hate America. I, I, I just I think people like to hear just just see that and be done with it. Ariana Grande does not hate America. Um this is where she she makes her she's made her bones here in America. She's very popular. I'm a fan. I should admit right now I'm a fan. I'm a fan of this degenerate pervert. She saw the donuts. She was making a comment on the um obesity problem we have in America. The fact that uh there's whole sh- shops uh, dedicated to donuts. I don't have a problem with that. I realize donuts uh, are not um Donuts are not a food that is helping us uh, better ourselves physically, but damn it, they taste good. Donuts are great. Even Ariana Grande, who who just is this, like, look at us Americans eating all these donuts. Even she can't resist at least licking a donut. So uh, I, I don't know. I think collectively, if you haven't yet, I think it's time to forgive Ariana Grande for licking those donuts. And expressing hatred for America. She was making a very important statement uh, on a uh, hidden camera at a donut restaurant. Uh, So very shrewd. Very shrewd. She knew that that video was going to get out so she could make a statement on the obesity epidemic in America. Very smart. She's very smart. That's why she makes the big bucks. Miley Cyrus. I don't know if you guys remember this. But in that movie, uh, she did. Uh, I think it's called "The Best of Both Worlds." It was a documentary film. She is seen riding around in a golf cart. I think she's driving it, to be honest, and she's not wearing a seatbelt. People were horrified that her young fans would see her riding around in a parking lot in a golf cart, not wearing a seatbelt, and start, you know, maybe start going like, like, like. Let's think of the scenario here. Uh, you get in the car with your with your little uh 4-year-old daughter and you're like all right Janie buckle your seatbelt we're we're going to um ballerina practice and Janie's like buckle my seatbelt Hannah Montana doesn't buckle her seatbelt I'm not going to buckle my seatbelt you buckle your seatbelt bitch and you're like what little Janie what you look so sweet and innocent in your ballerina outfit and you're holding that oversized lolly because the your dance that your dance teachers uh choreographed is like your your it's like a munchkin theme and and you just called me a bitch and said i'm not going to anyway it had to be hard for parents to hear little genies all over the country in their ballerina outfits <laughs> their oversized lollies refusing to buckle up for safety because Miley Cyrus and Hannah Montana that's like a double a double whammy uh, refused to wear a seatbelt. Of course, uh, Miley did apologize after that became an issue that was way overblown. Uh, let's talk about Lady Gaga, you guys. She is, um, you don't want to take her to a baseball game. This is from, what is this from? This is from SF Gate. An article, Pop Stars Bad Behavior. Some of the biggest offenders. And one of the biggest offenders of all time is Lady Gaga. She was allegedly banned from the New York Yankees clubhouse. This is from the website. In 2010, after she attended a game dressed in underwear. Underwear. She showed up at the baseball game in just underwear. Then she proceeded to drunkenly slur her words... Because no one's ever done that at a baseball game. <laughs> there's not, there's not countless footage of beer bellied, drunken bros at baseball games slurring their words. And and she also repeatedly grabbed her breast while meeting the team. I think those drunken bros are grabbing their man boobs. So let's you know, maybe we put on pants with the underwear. Maybe a maybe a jersey. But, uh, you know, to act like it's weird that she was drunk and uh, grabbing herself, uh, the, like that's a weird thing that happens, at the, <laughs> happens at, the, at the baseball stadium. That never happens. We never see it, behavior like that. There's never drunken behavior at, uh, at, the, at a New York Yankees game for, for shame, the horror. Anyway, uh, just a week before that, Lady Gaga uh, went to a Mets game Dressed in a bra, so wait a minute. <laughs> she she's, she always goes dressed in at least one undergarment. Uh, for the Yankees, it's like I'll put my underwear on, and she probably had to grab her breast, she had nothing on top. That's why her hands were on her breast, you dumb dumbs. Uh, while at the Mets game, she's going bottomless and wearing a bra, and she flipped off photographers. So they moved her into comedian Jerry Seinfeld's uh, box. I guess he has a private box. He wasn't there using it. Uh, But he didn't like that. In fact, this is what he said. (coughs) Get ready for this. This woman is a jerk. You give people the finger and you get upgraded? Is that the world we're living in now? Who are these people? That's... That's a bad Jerry Seinfeld. Anyway, ladies, you are not immune to this. There are rock and roll lady perverts. And we say, shame on you. Although a lot of a lot of this seems really overblown. Maybe Jerry Seinfeld needs to calm down just a little bit. I came in like a rainbow. Well, it wouldn't be a show about musical perverts without Michael Jackson moonwalking into the onto the scene. <laughs> And I know what a lot of you are saying. They're saying, "Matt, you know what? Get, quit, quit, get off, get off Michael Jackson's case. Uh, they never found him, found him guilty of doing anything. Leave him alone. The man's dead. Let him rest in peace, and let us enjoy his songs on the radio. And uh, we don't want to think about it anymore." And I say, "All right, if you, if you, if that's how you want to be, you can be." However, I can't stop thinking of the list of items found in his house after his death. And so I want to share just a few of those items with you right now. This comes from uh, Digital Music News. And this is a list of some of the things that they discovered in Michael Jackson's house after uh, he uh, passed away, after he passed on. Not all of it. I'm not going to go over all of it. Just a few of the things. And you tell me, if uh if you think Michael Jackson was a great guy. Um one of the things they found was a piece of notebook paper with a drawn image of a boy inside a circle. That's interesting. I'm interested to know what you think that could possibly be. So um write to the show at giantpengypodcast at gmail.com. What is your interpretation of the of the drawn image of a boy inside a circle? Uh, there's not. They don't have the picture here on Digital Music News, but if I can find a picture of that actual image, I'll put it up on the um, Instagram, which is Giant Pengy Podcast. And I'd love to know your thoughts on what Michael Jackson was trying to convey when he drew this picture of a boy inside a circle. Maybe it was something artistic, like this is how I feel. I, I feel like a little boy trapped inside a cage. That's what fame is. I've been trapped in this, in this tiny circle in this cage, and I'm being, um, you know, like I'm in a zoo. Or maybe it was just like, this is the kind of boy I like, circle. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't seen the picture. It could be a stick figure of a boy. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't know about Michael Jackson's um, uh, cartooning skills. One thing you're going to find, I'm not going to go through this whole list, because most of what they found are these uh, books... Of of with that were just filled with nude pictures of teenagers and children, both boys and girls, and what I what I assume is that they are, um, they're art books. So it's artistic artistic nudes. Uh, okay, so he had plenty of our our books filled with artistic nudes of children and teenagers and adults. Everybody, everybody naked. But there's this one book. That was found in the upstairs library area of a uh, of a game room of his. And the book the book was titled "The Fourth Sex: Colon Adolescent Extreme." Which that one I don't like the title of that book. And then I really don't like this. It had no listed author. <laughs> that sounds like a book that perverts pass along to each other uh, at at their at their monthly pervert meetings. And I don't like the, I don't like the sound of that book. Uh, but um, it's uh, not surprisingly full of uh, of, of naked and, and semi naked teenagers. So there's a lot of uh, nude um, nude art books, and uh, here here's here's one that is troubling a little bit. Uh, there was a Disneyland plastic bag containing underclothes and bloodied bed linens. Uh, the bag also included a bright orange pair of shorts, size 4, possibly for a young girl. Okay. A new pair of Spider-Man socks. That Those could be Michaels. I Come on. I, I'm just saying. I'm 44 years old and I have plenty of Spider-Man <laughs> socks. Uh, a child-sized off-white t-shirt. Well, that was definitely not for Michael Jackson. Pairs of gray, white, and blue child socks. And a significant amount of clothing for an adult male. Could have been a spending spree. Uh, don't know why there's bloody-to-bed linens in there. Mm, do not know. Uh, now, this one was, was fun because I looked this one up. I was able to find this. Uh, there was a pornographic magazine... And it was the Best of Club issue number 201. And I did look up that uh, issue just to see what the cover looked like. And there's not much to say. I mean, there's a lady and she's naked. Uh, but then, the, the, you know, the, it has little uh, blurbs of what you're going to find when you open up the magazine. And the best one is this, uh, is this lady named Foxy. And her, her picture spread is described as this. Foxy has a Tex-Mex sex fest. <laughs> and uh, don't worry, everybody. Foxy does have a sombrero, uh, at the ready. So I'm sure at some point in the, uh, in the pictorial, she does, uh, she does move that sombrero from her back, uh, you know, cause it's kind of hanging on her back, uh, to her head. And, uh, that I'm sure that's just, <laughs> I'm sure it's all above board. Uh, but yeah, I just thought that was funny. A Tex-Mex sex vest. That sounds like what I'd want for my birthday. <laughs> uh, is that too much? Books with nude kids. Mm. Uh, he, you know, he had a lot of barely legal and girls of penthouse magazines. Uh, there was a book titled "The Gynoids, Genetically Manipulated." Ooh. Uh, oh, this is a good one. Uh, also, in his house, uh, house they found a photograph of Macaulay Culkin. Of course, they were buddies. That's not weird. Uh, and it says taken on set from a Home Alone movie, comically signed by the actor. I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if that means like Macaulay like uh, like added a little joke, or maybe like he um, put a little smiley face in like the A's or whatever. I like to think maybe he wrote that Michael Jackson joke I love so much on the picture. The uh, why, why was Michael Jackson at JCPenney? You know the joke. Um, another pornographic magazine was found inside a metal briefcase. This one was special. It was Couples, Volume 7, Issue 2. Now, I looked that one up too. I could not find that specific issue of Couples, but I did find, (laughs) I did find a cover of Couples that was pretty funny. And it it may, if, if this was a, if the Couples cover I found was sort of a, you know, a basic template for what the cover of couples usually looks like. Like if it was a typical cover, then it kind of would speak to kind of like the childlike nature of Michael Jackson. And the, the idea anyway, that was put out into, uh, you know, by the media and put out into the world that he was kind of inexperienced and kind of innocent and like, I don't know what's going on. Um, That's why I hang out with children. Uh, but so the cover of this magazine—it's two girls. Uh, they're both fully clothed, and uh, one girl uh, she's wearing a very short skirt. It would she would definitely get dress coded, and she has her legs spread. And she's wearing uh, underwear, and then the other girl is pointing, uh, has her finger pointing right in the in the general area of where the first girl's uh, vagina would be, and uh, the 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 big headline on the cover says. Becky points the way. <laughs> so I kind of thought like Michael Jackson, maybe I don't know, maybe he had a young lady in his room of age at at one point. He's like, "Excuse me for a moment," and he goes off into like uh, his closet or whatever, and he or his bathroom, and he opens up the you know cabinet beneath the sink, and there's his 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 metal briefcase. He, he oh man, what's the combination? Oh, that's right. It's a zero uh, six nine, hee. <laughs> and then he opens it up, and then there's the magazine. He goes, "All right, Becky, point the way. Oh, that's where it goes. All right, all right." Closes it back up, and puts it away, and he's like, "I'm ready." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, that, could that was that an accurate uh, description of a date with Michael Jackson? Uh, there was also a black leather laptop bag that contained pornographic images and DVDs. And several sheets of paper. Of the pieces of paper, one simply contained the words Paris and me. Okay. Another was a guess ad ripped from a magazine. Well, we've all done that. We've all ripped, like, the lingerie pictures out of the Christmas catalog and shoved them under our bed. I'm sure of it. Or my my friend used to uh, go to the, uh, when he was in kind of a department store with his mom, you know, on the different bras and women's underwear, there would be a, you know, the price tag. And the price tag would also uh, feature a picture of the woman in um, in in the lingerie it was attached to. He used to rip those tags off, and uh, then you know he'd bring them to church and show me. It was like we were looking at baseball cards, but they were they were tags off of lingerie. Um, let's see, other items in the bag included a pen, a business card from Goldman Sachs, ripped up fact a ripped up fax pertaining to a concert. Uh, to concert details, batteries, jewelry, a children's book, some handwritten notes, and a syringe. That is a, that is a wacky bag. It also contained a letter from a counselor at the Gary Community School Corporation arranging plans to bring children to visit California in the first half of 2004. Oh, dear God. Uh, there were notes between Jackson and Gavin Arvizo, who later accused the pop star of molestation. The the DVDs were the following titles. Michael Ryan's Believe It or Not, which featured hardcore pornography. Okay. And Sloppy Dogs Presents, Fuck Me, I'm a Bad Girl. (laughs) Oh, my God. And this was just, this was, I believe, Michael Jackson's go bag. Like, if he had to go somewhere for the weekend, he just grab the bag. It's ready to go. I got my syringe, my children's book, (laughs) and my Sloppy Dog. (laughs) my Sloppy Dogs Presents DVD. Hee hee. Uh. Uh, uh, There were were, uh, pornographic magazines all over the place. Uh, That's another thing. You got these books, but then, uh, you know, you've also got the not-so-artistic nudes. Um. I mean, what in the world? I mean, seriously, what in the fucking world? Uh, another book, Man, A Sexual Study of Man, described as a graphic primer for homosexuals, including pictures of masturbation, oral and anal sex, and homosexual erotica. Uh, oh, this... <laughs> how about... Uh, there were, there were four, four volumes of barely legal DVDs and, and a DVD entitled Pimps Up, Hose Down. Perhaps the grossest thing and the most triggering, so, you know, if you want to skip ahead a little bit, was uh, this, this computer that was found that uh, there are records of multiple visits to the following websites, uh, www.varsityteens.com, we can all guess what that is, uh, www.adoptablekids.com, and then www.adoption.com, so that's all I want to say about that. Uh, and that's about all I got. Uh, so, uh, I don't know. You can think what you want, but, uh, Michael Jackson, I'm not a fan of his anymore. I don't like to hear his music. Uh, in fact, I, when it comes on now, I turn it off. Uh, that's me though. If you can, um, we all have to choose what we're, what we're willing to live with. And I'm not going to judge you. I would hope you would not judge me. Uh, but I am going to judge... Michael Jackson, and uh, he was a huge pervert. All right. Whoa. (laughs) Thanks. Bye. Hey, that's episode 21 of Giant Electric Penguin. Hope you enjoyed yourself. And uh, to all the dads out there, I hope your Father's Day yesterday was uh, the best ever. I am a dad myself, and I had a great Father's Day. Thank you to my wife and my daughter for making it so memorable. And uh, earlier last week, I attended a, a fatherhood conference or a fatherhood seminar um, through my day job. And one of the things, one of the facilitators at the event had us do was he said, you know, throughout the day, as we talk about these different fatherhood issues, on the back of your name tag, we had these name tags that were, you know, you weren't wearing them. They were like kind of like a sign in front of you it said your name. And there was a backside too. He said, uh, you know, design some sort of um, father fatherhood or, you know, dad-centric um a bumper sticker. Uh, he joked that he was starting a bumper sticker uh, company and he wanted to steal our ideas. We all laughed, laughed at that. Uh, but no, he said, you know, try to think of like, you know, like a bumper sticker idea that kind of boils all this fatherhood stuff we're talking about today down. So I, I threw out the afternoon and the, the example he gave, he goes, here's the one I did. And his was, uh, his was cute, but I, you know, it was all right. It, his was fatherhood is my hood, which is cute. I I don't deny that, but I was like, I'd probably do better than that. So throughout the event, I would, if I got an idea, I would write it down in my notebook. And I finally did decide on one to write on my name tag, which I will share in a minute. But I was really excited to come home and share some of the um, ideas that I wrote down with um, my wife and my daughter. And I will tell you that they did not enjoy any of them. (laughs) But uh, here are some of the ones I did. And I wouldn't call any of them serious, which is why, you know, and I didn't want to write them down and have the guy think I was making fun of him. Because, I, you know, I took the whole, the, the bulk of the event was um, was pretty interesting. I, I enjoyed most of it. But I didn't want anybody to think I was, um, ma- you know, taking the piss out of anyone. So most of these I just kept in my notebook. The one I wrote down, though you know, maybe kind of sort of makes it look like I actually didn't care if I hurt somebody's feelings. But here are some of the ideas I had. I, I, I did two versions of this. I did Dad's, colon, they're pretty great. And then I also did Father's, colon, they're pretty great. So you could choose there. If you wanted to do the more informal dad or the more like father, you know, more, I don't know, upper crust. Uh, let's see some of the other ones I did. Oh, I did a world without dads is not a world I want to be a part of, to be honest, which is one of my favorites. Uh, I did uh, keep on dadin, uh, like the, the famous keep on trucking only we're we're dadding in this case. Um, oh, this would be for someone who is like, um, who's like a supporter of fathers and fatherhood. Uh, that, uh, it says dadvocate. Like you're an advocate for dad, dadvocate. I thought that was pretty clever, to be perfectly honest. But I'm not I'm not sure if people would look at that on the back of your car and get, they they go, what? dad <laughs> Dadvocate? I don't know. Uh, this one was a little big for a bumper sticker, but I think it, you could pull it off. Uh, it says, knock, knock. Who's there? Dad. And I always will be there. I'll always be there if that wasn't clear. I like that one. Uh, make every day Father's Day, and then in parentheses, except for Mother's Day. Uh, let's see. There was, oh, here, there was, uh, anyone can be present. Call me when you're available. Uh, that was a good one. Uh, oh, this one was also a little long, but I think you could pull it off. And maybe with, like, a cool, like, picture of, like, an ice cream. Uh, dads are the cherry on the hot fudge Sunday of life. And probably the hot fudge and sprinkles, too. And then finally, the the one I went with, the one I finally said, I'm going to write this one on the back of my name tag so everyone in the room can see it, says this is my favorite. And actually, this was my favorite. and I think it was my wife and daughter's uh, least favorite. (laughs) It said, dads can cry. Stop saying they can't. I love that. I would proudly put that on my bumper if I put stickers on my car. Uh, But I'm not a high school student anymore. Imagine putting stickers on your car. People do. People do it. People do it. Look around. Next time you're driving, people have stickers on their cars. Adults. Uh, This was Giant Electric Penguin, episode 21. Uh, Write me at giantpengypodcast at gmail.com. Join us on Instagram. We're very slowly building an audience on Instagram, so that's pretty exciting. I'm trying to get invited to that new uh, Twitter stream twitter type site blue sky so if i get on there um you know and then if i'm allowed to invite people but i'm probably not going to get invited but i've put in my name and my information and if i get invited uh i think we'll be over there as well but right now we're not uh anyway that's the end of the show Uh, good uh, bye